Welcome to another episode of Hyrule Podcasters! I'm your co-host, Ben, and I'm coming to you solo today, bringing you a side quest episode. I have Michael Rose, creative director at indie studio Semic Entertainment, here with me today. We're going to chat about Zelda randomizers, his background in video game design, and Semic Entertainment's newest game, Zudia, that they're in the middle of running a Kickstarter for. Michael, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing quite delightful. How are you? Yeah, doing really well. Definitely enjoying this uh, hot boy, hot girl, hot person summer uh, here in the district. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Got in from the dog walk today and I was just like, I was drenched just from like walking a mile around the block. So that's always a, a good sign of summer here. So it's a good reminder. We live in a swamp. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. So you're joining me, not in the studio, but uh, we are close by together somewhere here in the area. Indeed. 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 So, uh, so yeah. So you know, you reached out on Twitter telling me about you know some of the exciting stuff that you all are doing. I watched a really great uh, video of you at Magfest uh, and some of your thoughts around video game design. So I just thought we'd kind of have a really nice open you know conversation here, and I really <laughs> thought we'd start by. You all have this new game that you are currently kickstarting called Zudia. And one of the things in the promo for it is talking about how taking elements of game randomizers. And I thought there may be quite a few people that aren't quite sure like what a randomizer is and how it works. I thought maybe I could tee you up there and uh, you could let us know like what exactly is a randomizer? How does it work? And uh, what's the purpose behind it? So basically a randomizer is a hack or a mod of a game that randomizes all the items in the game and they usually go further than that you can randomize the enemies you can randomize the internal rooms so it gets really wild to try to navigate and it gets particularly interesting when you randomize a metroidvania or a zelda game because that has inherent logic built in where like you need to use the hook shot to get across right stuff like that so when you randomize that it, it, you have this logic that you can then read and it becomes much more interesting in terms of both racing and just playing in general. So. I think my main experience with randomizers is at um, the Summer Games Done Quick series. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. A lot of people have seen it there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in particular, the Super Metroid Legend of Zelda Link to the Past randomizer where you're playing the two games uh, at the same time, moving back and forth between the two games. And there are items from each game inside the other game. And it's usually done, at least how I've seen it, like in a co-op mode where there are two people playing kind of the same map uh, independently, but kind of working with each other. Yeah, so SMZ3, or Super Metroid Zelda 3, ah, is, okay. is, is, the, is the mashup you're talking about, where they okay. literally, the entrances to like there are just certain rooms that aren't really used much in the games that are then glued together between the games um it, it's very it's very wild it's it's pretty cool to like rapidly switch between games there's also a place called archipelago which is a big multi-world 
randomizer idea. So that hmm. with multi-world, the idea is that you have multiple people playing multiple games, and the items of all the different games are shuffled amongst all the different games. So it's a way to sort of play with friends, hmm. and you can sort of play different games. Everyone can play whatever game they want as long as Archipelago supports it, and they can all sort of have different things going on. So, you know, you can have one person's playing Factorio, another person's playing StarCraft II, another person's playing Zelda, uh, wow. another person's playing Stardew Valley. I think that, okay. that they have right. in. So there's a lot of, like, wild things with Archipelago and multi-world. And it's, 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 it's interesting because it's taking what is usually a single-player experience for a lot of those games and turning it into this kind of, like, play with your friends, uh, have a good time with everybody. It's a social thing. Yeah, so tell me more about, you know, you had mentioned kind of the logic needed when you're creating a randomizer. Talk talk a bit more kind of about that and how you how parameters have to be set to make sure you can actually beat the game. Because like you were saying, if I show up and need the hookshot, I don't have the hookshot. Like how how do game randomizers and the people that are designing these kind of work out that logic? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is like algorithms. Um, Mm. The sort of the most recent way that I've understood how to do it, I programmed it into Zudio myself. I'm trying to like figure this all out. So um, it's using a lot of graph theory, this like um, nodes and edges kinds of concepts oh, sure. where like you you need you know an item to go across an edge. So like it like the 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 game sort of is all mapped out in this kind of graph logic way, and and you use that to sort of randomize everything to make sure that it's always beatable. That's um. So I actually I was a high school math teacher, but the oh, yeah. the, the the network theory, I mean, that's kind of advanced. I mean, that's definitely an advanced level of mathematics, I feel like, when you're at... Once you're past more than, like, seven nodes, it becomes very <laughs> complex to try and find, like, optimized routes. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because, like, the the problems I was trying to solve with the graph theory was very different than all the problems that you usually see in graph theory, like optimized routes. Like, right. you don't really need optimized routes, right? What you're trying to do is, like randomize the nodes and stuff like that to to make it work which is very different right and very like weirder to 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 sort of figure out so like when i looked up like graph theory algorithms i was like man this is not what i was looking for <laughs> yeah because like what you need a, is yeah you need successful you need successful routing not optimized routing right but you need right. Just, you need a lot of successful routing which is very right. different from how you're normally trying to solve the like network problems yeah exactly exactly so so the problems are a little bit different but um a lot of the randomizer community has a lot of resources on this just because a lot of developers and stuff uh ask a lot about these questions like for instance it's not just um actually making the maps and all that stuff but also like filling it in like how exactly do you fill in how exactly do you put the items where they need to go and um there's been actually actually like a decent amount of like people just trying to figure out how to do it in a way that gives like enough randomization because mm. like a lot of the early randomizers, um, they 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 would have things where like a lot of the right items were always in the same kind of place, sure, and kind of stuff. So like, uh, you know, they've done a lot of work to try to figure out how to avoid that so well that would make sense right because like at the end of the day like you want to design a game that people can beat and it's like well you know for instance like if we put like the gra- the the boost boots if they're always here we know people can get to this point we can like design around that but i think as 
you know, algorithms become more advanced as, you know, as AI kind of pushes into game development, you can send computers to go kind of like tackle a lot more of those issues. Whereas, yeah, you know, 15 like, years ago, the size of a computer you would have needed to even probably do the logic work that you're doing right now, probably on like your MacBook Pro would have been ginormous, <laughs> right? There's like the resources needed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. But the, so, so like in uh, Link to the Past Randomizer, there's a cave that is always referred to as the hype cave. Um, <laughs> that's just like the slang for the community. And the reason it's called that is because it always had like progression in it. It always had important items in it. And it would be like usually multiple um, with the, with the newer, uh, newer versions of the randomizer. That's not really true anymore. So, but it's still called the hype cave because I mean, it's, it's, it's hype. Yeah. yeah. Those games, those games, the, the names don't change even because I mean, you'll, if you watch kind of any like the speed running community, you know, every segment has a name, every, and even if like it was right, named right. 15 years ago and nobody does the thing anymore, it's still called that particular like code name because that's how everybody yeah, knows it. Yeah, yeah. So what's your background in design and game design? Are those two things linked? Is that something that you've been doing for quite a while? Certainly not at this Zudi is definitely the biggest thing I've ever tried to create. It's not just me. I'm working with a studio, Semeca Entertainment, and that it's about a dozen people working on the game right now. So this is definitely a, a large project with a lot of people's uh, hard work and effort into it. Um, I, I don't think I've ever anything. I've, I've done like little games and stuff on my own, but nothing something like this. So this is a much more ambitious project and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I mean, it looks really cool looking through the Kickstarter. So why don't you tell us a bit about the, the background idea kind of like about Zudia and kind of where it, where it came from. All right. So the basic premise is that I wanted to make a game that is a randomizer by design. A lot of randomizers are done after the fact. So you make the game and then people later on would put a randomizer on it. I mean, mm. even some of the more official randomizers, like Bloodstained, it's like they make the game and then they just kind of make a randomizer mode. Um, I wanted to actually have the randomization like part of the game and actually design the game with randomization in mind. Um, so I, I can give you two probably big examples of what I mean by that. Um, it, with our Kickstarter, we also released a prototype. Mm. And in that prototype, it's basically just one small dungeon, one small cool little Zelda dungeon that you can go through yourself. It has some puzzles, it has a boss. It's a fun time. Uh, you can play it the normal way, and then you can randomize it, right? Mm. So when you're randomizing, you can also uh, select a little toggle that says alternate items. And that will replace the dungeon item with two different items. So the normal dungeon item is a hen that shoots eggs. And you can also replace that with the goose or the hover boots. Mm. Um, the hover boots will let you cross a gap. The goose, it's goofy enough that I, I want people to find out on their own. Cool, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little untitled <laughs> goose game action, maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. So all three of those items can get you to the boss, right? Okay. But they all work pretty differently. So mm. like that's kind of what I'm talking about with like having the randomization in mind, thinking about how we can design the dungeon and design things when you have multiple routes and multiple item possibilities. There's a second big thing that I'm doing to build the game as a randomizer, and that's this concept of alternate dungeons. Hmm. Um, what we wanted to do was you beat the game, or you actually, you beat a dungeon, and you tell, okay, I beat that dungeon. We're going to have 
three variations of each dungeon. So the idea is that when you randomize, it could be any one of those three variations. This is based on uh, Ocarina of Time randomizer, which uh, if if you don't know, you can actually mix in Master Quest dungeons into Ocarina of Time dungeons. Okay. So like you don't know whether it's going to be a Master Quest dungeon or a vanilla dungeon. And this this is the same kind of thing where you don't know whether it's going to be variation A, B, or C. And so that's kind of what we're doing. And that kind of goes into the... By the way, that does mean after you beat the game, there's still more dungeons to play. Right? Very like cool. That's, yeah, that's very, very cool. fun. Um, but I should say this this does go into the sort of lore and the story of the game. It's always so, the best, right, when game mechanics do align with kind of the story you're trying to tell and they play back and forth on each other, right? Yes, yes, yes. So the idea is that there are these three great architects from long ago. And they all built the dungeons. Of course, which one built which dungeon is what's randomized. Ah. So you know that the dungeon is being built by one of them, but you don't know which one. And you'll find out as you play the game. So as I go into the story, let's talk about the fun world that we've created. And uh, it's this big, fun animal world. So everybody's an animal. And it's themed around the Zodiac. So like Capricorn and Aquarius and all that stuff. Right. So the, the first dungeon you enter in the prototype is uh, Ares. And Ares is the ram. Okay. Uh, in, in the actual Greek mythology, it is, in fact, the ram of the Golden Fleece. So oh, it has right this on, kind right of... Yeah, yeah, so it has this kind of like uh, golden aspect to it. And it's all like... A lot of fun. So there's a lot of sheep in the temple. You're fighting a bunch of sheep. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And in the prototype, you get to be a dog. Okay. You get to be a, a delightful little dog guy. Can and, you pet yourself? Uh, the question is, can you pet yourself? Not yet. The, not we'll, yet. We'll put that in the main game, I'm sure. Good. good, 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 good. There's got to be some way to do it. You got to He's a good um, boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> he's, he's a good boy. Um, you... Uh, we, we do plan on having multiple protagonist possibilities. Uh, okay. You'll also see, like, in the Kickstarter, there's also, like, a cat that's kind of dressed the same way, that has the same weapon. It's because we, we, we want to have a cat as well, right? So we're going to have multiple possibilities of playable characters. So that's that's also a big fun thing. Yeah, I was I was looking at some of the artwork in it, and uh, the cat looks pretty cool, I got to say. cat looks yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty really cool. Like, <laughs> there's some, like, really great designs uh that have been done by our artists i i am not an artist but those are like amazing designs there's also the you'll also see the the zodiac wheel that we kind of developed ourselves but i think it's pretty cool yeah you know all the different symbols that we kind of made up for that yeah yeah so as far as semic entertainment and the the people that are there what was the what was the original idea behind creating uh this particular game so semic entertainment actually before this was more of an animation studio. Okay. So, so they they have a lot of pitches for uh, cartoons and things like that. That's a lot of what they do. Um, I pitched this game to them basically, okay. and I said like, we should try this out. I think this would be really cool. And when I explained the idea to them, they were like, all right, let's do it. They, they were excited too. Very so, cool. um, so yeah, we we initially. The, the main issue was trying to find programmers and things. So, like, like I, I'm one of the main programmers on the on the team because it is like an animation studio. So we were like, yeah. this is this is technically Civic's first game. Okay, but I mean, we've done like a really really good job. I think it's I think we've done a phenomenal job getting this to be going. And we have like a prototype to prove it. You know, you can play it yourself. So I definitely encourage people to check it out. 
yeah, that's that's all linked in the show notes. So if you wanted to check any of that, I definitely would would encourage you. It's it's pretty cool, pretty cool. So you mentioned that you know you're not on the art side; you're on the design side. You mentioned that you have done some some programming in the past. Is is your day is your day to day work programming like outside of this project? Like, is that what you're doing and kind of your 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 main gig as well? Well, actually, I mean, I actually came on to Sumec Entertainment as a musician. <laughs> so, uh, as oh, a wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I was doing composing for their cartoons and stuff. Um, I, I also do, like, uh, as a day job, I do, like, security engineering and coding and stuff. So, oh, like, God. that's not too far from what I'm doing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Pulling back to kind of this overall idea of randomizers, you were at MAGFest a little a little while ago and gave a really great talk there kind of about the history of randomizers. And because everyone may not have watched that video, of course, I was just wondering if you could give us just, just a bit of this like background about like where randomizers kind of even like, where did the idea originally even come from? I think it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, no, I definitely encourage people to check out the talk. It's, it's. I, I think I did a pretty good job being entertaining. Um, uh, people laughed definitely. at my jokes. That's so just how I know it's a successful panel. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the randomizers kind of started with like Pokemon because Pokemon really had a lot of Pokemon has a lot of hacks in general. Mm. There's a pretty large ROM hack community around Pokemon, and randomizing the Pokemon is relatively straightforward you're not going to run into a lot of unbeatable seeds. I mean, I suppose it's possible if you can't get cut before cut, yeah, HM1. That's what I was going to say, yeah. I like, was like, that, that's the, the, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I think about it, I'm like, how many, po- like, how often could that possibly happen where you can't right. find a Pokemon that can learn cut? But, um, so, so yeah, I think po- Pokemon is really where a lot of the randomization started, but it really started getting a bit bigger and more interesting in about, 2016, that's when, like, Ocarina of Time randomizer came out. That's when Link to the Past randomizer came out. I think the Super Metroid randomizer was around for quite a while, but it started getting a little bit more interesting. And in 2018, that's when randomizer came to GDQ. And so that brought in a huge amount of people into the, into the community. And just a lot of people saw it, and a lot of people were like, this is really cool. Because it, it really is different than any other genre out there but the whole concept of the logic and the randomization of the logic is really very different than anything i've played before you know it's a it's a unique gaming experience and people should check it out yeah well yeah speaking of checking out so let's say someone's listening to this you know they they check out the kickstarter they think it's awesome but they're like you know what i can't wait until this is done i want to try something i'm thinking so let's say someone boots up link to the past randomizer where even like how even do you start approaching being a game like that? Even getting started. Because I'm thinking like, okay, if I'm playing it normally, I like, I wake up, I get my shield, I go up, I get the lantern, I fall down the hole, I talk to my, you know, like, but I think in the randomizer, like it's an entirely different way of approaching the game. And so how do you even, without kind of giving away, you know, too much, because that's part of the joy in it, like what is even starting a randomizer look like? Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of resources for, the big ones anyway about how to get started and just like this is how you do everything and then there's even resources on like here's a lot of the traps people fall into you know here's a lot of things you might want to know before you dive into this adventure but honestly it's the kind of thing that you can just check out um you can also there's a lot of places like on reddit where you can just like ask like hey i'm stuck where do i go 
<laughs> and you can also uh, find trackers online, which will also help you not get stuck. Um, I encourage people to try it without the tracker at first, but uh, trackers can definitely help if you are uh, getting stuck. <laughs> and then you had mentioned uh, seeds earlier. Did you want to chat a bit about like what a seed is in this case? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, a seed is, uh, you know, the thing that starts the random number generator, essentially. Mm. So if two games have the same seed, then they're, they're, then the random stuff is all the same. Ah. So, you know, if uh, one of the fun things to do with randomizers is to race them. Two people mm. get the same seed, and they just try to beat the game first. So it has this big speedrunning scene. It has this big... It's like a competitive speedrunning mm. scene where, like, you're, you're constantly getting thrown new things, and because it's, like random but also you know the same you know it's it's fair but it's right, random right right so, yeah uh, that reminds me one of my one of my kind of like go-to games right now is a game called dead cells which is a roguelite oh, yeah, yeah. game yeah. Uh, yeah and it has a seeding functionality so you can like play with other people challenge other people play the same seed see who can do it like faster and things like that i think <sighs> designs like that even in a game like that game has randomness in terms of like the weapons you get, where the enemies are placed, where the rooms are, but it's not random in the same way because you're not like collecting items. You're just trying to get through a 30 minute game kind of as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is randomizers are similar to roguelikes in the fact that they have the seeds and that is a big part of right. you know how things work, but they, they don't really have the logic part. So like, right. it, it is a bit different. So um, yeah, but yeah, the, a lot of that's pretty interesting there's also a lot of different ways to play there's a lot of different like options in a randomizer for instance whether you want to randomize enemies or mm. you know you can make the game harder you can shuffle the keys everywhere sometimes you can do weird things like shuffle the bosses in length of the past um that can all affect the logic but sure. it can also like you can some of those some of these game modes have become very popular in themselves one of them is cross keys which is shuffling the keys everywhere and also shuffling the entrances everywhere so you're going you know you walk into the you're like uh, you walk into the sanctuary and it's scanning or something you know? oh wow okay okay <laughs> you know something where like it, it really kind of jumbles up the game um and that's become sort of like a very popular mode to play um and so like they have their own cross keys tournament that you can join and it's all, I always think it's uh, akin to like Magic the Gathering with like different formats where like okay. people kind of like get into the different modes of how to play. Mm. But it, it does may mean that as a player, you can kind of like pick and choose what you like. Right. There's a lot of you know personal preference with all these different modes. But at the same time, there's a lot of variety. So you can just <laughs> try different things. So it, it's, it's an interesting combination. And, and you don't, again, you, it, it's, it's hard to think of a, a lot of kinds of games that do that a lot yeah and even just like you were saying the it's almost like the accessibility of these games is very like you can really tweak your approach to them right like so like i'm thinking like super metroid you know there's a difference between oh like key items are switched versus key items might be in a random missile container in a random part of Brinstar level of randomization, right? There's kind of like, there's a there's a range of randomization we can get in our items when you're trying to, yeah, when you're yeah, picking how to play true. one of these games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. So Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and for instance, in Zelda, a lot of times in, uh, especially the 2D Zeldas, there's the question of, 
Uh, you start with the sword. <laughs> you start with the sword, because uh, sometimes you just want to start with the sword, but other times, you know, you, there's usually a swordless mode where you just never get a sword, and wow. you got to figure out how to fight stuff without a sword, which is actually a very educational thing. You learn how to use the rest of your ratios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like I'm watching this. Um, there's this uh, YouTuber. His name is Ryukar. He does a lot of uh, Mario, um, um, Mario Maker. Uh, but he just decided. So he had never played the original Legend of Zelda. He never played it. He knew obviously some things because you know some things just from being in the video game world. But he never actually played it, right? And so watching him play it, you know, and one of his big things is like he never got the white sword or the magical sword because. You know, he just didn't know. And he he found both of them, but wasn't able to get them because he wasn't like he didn't have enough heart containers at the time. Um, right. But he found the magic rod and just that's his main offensive weapon. He just runs around and he's literally he's like, wait, if I hit them, like not with the beam that shoots out but with the actual like rod, if that like hits them, it, it must be like the power of like a white sword, I think not like the magical sword, but it's definitely at least powerful as the white sword. Because he's like taking all these things out. It's just so funny to see somebody. <laughs> approach a game in a way like I've never thought about approaching that way because like I've always gotten the swords I know where the swords are right, right and he's right, just right. like sitting there just being like well I guess I'll use this more powerful thing to like whack everything with it I do know that Z1R does have a swordless mode wow <laughs> okay okay yeah Z1R definitely has its own scene and Z1 and Z2 have a different way of making the dungeons okay. they're, they're actually kind of like they're almost procedurally generated in oh, the wow. actual game. Okay. So, like, in, in the randomizer, they can sort of be procedurally generated, just because that's kind of the way they're built. That you would know, make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you'll see, like, the same chamber is, you know, you'll you'll see, like, the, it's the same, you know, the same setup chamber yeah. with different enemies. You know, that's because that's actually the way it works. It's, a, it's the same chamber with different enemies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that seems so. quite... I feel like, for me, that seems quite approachable. I've actually done... Zelda one is the only game I've ever done a speed run of. Like, I feel oh, yeah. like I yeah. kind of know that game. And so I think like I, I doing a randomizer for me, I think would be pretty fun for that. Cause like, well, I know, like I know where all the items are. So I could at least find where they've all been randomly put then because I at least have an understanding of like where items are, are going to be. So, um, so if I wanted to try that, like what, what are the steps to actually like trying out like a randomizer? I mean, First step would probably just be Googling it. <laughs> Google it. Okay, Google it. All right. Yeah, Google it. And then it'll tell you how to, you know, patch your ROM to, to randomize it. Okay, and very cool. And you just have your ROM, patch the ROM through the randomizer. Usually it's just an online thing. You okay, the ROM, okay. Pops out a random thing based on your settings. And then you just try it out on your Very cool. So there you go. Well, maybe I'll they, uh, have they, to... They made it very easy It sounds like time. it. It's, it sounds yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'll have I would to... definitely, you know... You're interested. I mean, Z1 is, is, is pretty interesting. It's also like one of the shorter games. So like, well, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's approachable. Yeah, yeah. Like in a day, like, yeah. okay, yes, I could spend an hour or two and, you know, work my way through this. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that'll have to be the next side quest is Ben, ben attempting a, uh, a randomizer of it, because why not? It sounds like a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely encourage everyone to, you know, try out randomizers. Try out my prototype that has a randomizer built in. In fact, it even does have a room randomizer built in. Where it will jumble up the rooms of the dungeon, so like, very cool. Uh, you know, it, it is actually pretty, pretty wild. It's pretty, and it's a, it's a good introduction to randomizers because it's just a single dungeon. It's not too crazy. So, gotcha, gotcha. Excellent, excellent. Well, Michael, thanks so much for coming on. Anything else that you wanted to let folks know about before we uh, part ways here? 
I don't know. That's pretty much it. I'd say uh, if you're interested in the talk, definitely you can just search Rise of the Randomizer in YouTube. That That's how you get it. I talk all about uh, sort of the recent history of randomizers. Definitely check out my Kickstarter, Zudia. We are mm-hmm. trying to make an awesome game here. And there is a prototype with that game that you can play. So definitely check that out as well. So And uh, everything <laughs> will be in the show notes. Uh, Michael, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Hyrule Podcasters, and we will talk to you soon, I'm sure, once Zudia comes out. Thanks so much for your time today. All right. Thank you for having me. This has been great. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hyrule. Podcast of the Windfish. An odd conduit media production. If you like what you're hearing and want to support us directly, you can head over to our Patreon page. We'd also love to see you in our Discord. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Hyrule Podcasters and on Twitter at Hyrule Podcaster. As always, this episode was produced by Patrick. And we'd like to thank LT Headtrip for composing original music for the podcast, including our theme song. If you want to play along, you can find Link's Awakening DX on Game Boy, Game Boy Color, or the 3DS via their virtual console. The Nintendo Switch High Definition Remake is also a great option to play along. And be sure to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen. And action! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we'll all say Hi, Rule Podcasters. Why are we doing this? Because we're, we're in Sweden. I didn't get to record this episode with Ben. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Hi, Hi Rule Podcasters! Podcasters. Incredible job. Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Odd Conduit Media.